Y'all want to stand up a minute? Stand up and shake your leg. And slap the person next to you. <laughs> Woo, Lord, thank you. I've done had church. I don't know about y'all. I've had church. Lord, help us. Amen. Help us, Lord. I will make this short and sweet. How about that? Yeah, I'm not going to say nothing. So, amen. All righty. I want to give you read two scriptures right quick. First one is going to be Psalm 1611. It says this, you will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen? Now I'm going to read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what I wanted to talk to you about is the path of life. Everybody say path of life. God will give. God has given each one of us a, a unique and individual walk with Him. And what David said there, he called it the path of life. Paul called it the course. I finished my race. I finished my course. We all have something personal and individual that God gives us to walk out with other people. And sometimes God puts people with you, and sometimes it's, you, you may not feel that, but there's people all over the world that are walking the same path that you and I are walking. We're all walking one big, huge path. It's called God's love and God's heart. But we have different parts to that. And so I don't know if you, if you were here last week that Donna Culler mentioned those two, two scriptures. that uh, She gave us those two verses many years ago, and she gave them to us in a time of probably one of the, the worst time of our entire life is uh, we had lost a child and, and she gave us the one in your presence is fullness of joy. That was our little girl's name. Her name was Hannah Joy. We have another Hannah Joy now, a granddaughter, but we had a daughter named Hannah Joy. But we had another daughter named Rebecca Grace. And so Donna, it was like a little play on word. In, in my presence is fullness of joy. My grace is sufficient for you. You get that? A little play on words. And we didn't really realize at the time, didn't know at the time, that God was establishing something in our hearts at that time. We couldn't see it because it was, it was a, obviously a very dark time, very, very difficult time for us. But God was, was doing something in us that was invisible but would literally set the course of our life. Literally, and it literally, those two verses have really set the course, course of our life. And so I wanted to read this uh, thing here, Genesis 2.8, and I'll get back to that uh, in a second. Genesis 2.8, it says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And so I wanted to point out this. God did not create the garden. That's a, that's a very powerful scripture right there that we all need to get. In our heart. God didn't create the garden of Eden. God planted the garden of Eden. 
That's vitally important. So God plants a seed. You know, that's why Jesus had a parable called the parable of the sower. Because God deals in seeds. Okay? God created the seed, but he planted the seed. And over time, the seed came up. And so what Donna Culler did years ago when she gave us those two scriptures, they were like seeds that went into our heart. When a seed goes in the ground, you don't see nothing, you don't feel nothing, there's no fruit to eat from it, but over time, that seed's going to grow. And over time, God's garden grew, and it became a beautiful garden, a lively garden. And then in verse 15 of Genesis 2, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. He, put, he planted the garden... He didn't create a garden. He didn't blow a garden in. He planted it. And then he took mankind and put him in that garden and said, Your job is to take care of this garden, to grow this garden, to cultivate this garden, and expand this garden. The point being that God has called each one of us. He's put stuff in us. Okay? Supernaturally. And over time, that thing is going to begin to emerge in your life. It's going to begin to grow in your life. You may not be aware of it. I wasn't aware of it for years. I had no clue what God was doing. It was hidden from me. It was hidden that God was establishing something in me. But over time, I began to have this reality in my life, this awareness that there was something in those two verses that really had grabbed my heart and and wouldn't let go of my heart through through all the years. Are you with me this morning? So, I wanted to read uh, this one more verse. I'm going fast. Y'all all right? I had to ask you that because we have visitors here and they need to know that we have a church that's really hard to preach to. But they're good people. They just are demanding. In other words, here's the thing. God's going to give you something. He's going to put something in you. But He's going to expect you to participate with Him intending what He's put in you. In other words, the dreams, the things, the destiny, all these things, the things that really, that really burns in you. Some of you have got stuff burning in you. But let me tell you something. I want to be real clear with you. It's not just going to happen. It's not automatic. Because God put the man there like, listen, you're going to have to do something about this. I've, I've planted it for you. I've provided the sun, I've provided the rain, I've provided the seasons, and now it's come up. Now your job is to get in there and take care of it. Grow it and make it into something in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So any kind of revelation in your life that God gives you, it may not emerge right away. And that, was frust- that could be frustrating, right? As a, especially if you're a younger Christian. But it's because it's, it wasn't time. It's not time. You need to let it grow. Uh, the Bible in uh, Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And so what, happens, what will happen in your life is, is this, this revelation, the word of the Lord, the thing that God's put in you will begin to develop as you go if you are working with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are like, it will begin to grow in you. and you, It will become more and more and more apparent to you what God has really put in you and what God has really called you to do in life. I'm not talking about just a calling like as a prophet or a pastor. I'm talking about the thing in your life that you really want to go after. And everything else that you do, that's the background of it. Everything that you do in your life and all your motivations, you're, you're motivated by something. Okay? 
Are y'all motivated by something this morning? Is there something running in the back? It's like a, a, a program running in the background of your heart that affects your thinking, affects your choices, affects your decisions. I promise you, you have that if you're in Christ. You may not be paying attention to it, but you have that. And you have the potential. You have the potential in you to develop that thing and allow that thing to, to come forth and blossom in your life. But you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to participate. That wellness center didn't happen. It wasn't just plopped out of heaven and everything's going to work. Somebody had to go to work. Somebody had to pour sweat into it. Somebody had to pour their heart into it. Somebody laid awake at night trying to figure out how to make this thing work. This is reality, y'all. This is what I'm talking about is reality. If you really want to see what your purpose in life, your destiny in life, you're going to have to really get with God and, 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 and go to work. And it's a good work. Anyways, let me read this little verse here. I've spent seven, I've been eight minutes on that. This is a beautiful scripture. We love it. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek. See, see, David had that thing. He had something working in his heart. He had that one thing. One thing. One thing. One thing I've desired of the Lord. And that's the thing I'm going to seek after. That's the thing I'm going to pursue in my life. I might pursue a lot of other things, but I'm always going to go back to that one thing. And I'm not going to pursue other things that's going to take me away from that one thing. The one thing is the thing that dictates my path. The one thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Isn't that beautiful? That was David's one thing, to be with the Lord. To live in the Lord's house, to behold the Lord, the beauty of God, to know the beauty of God and experience the beauty of God. So that scripture, in your presence is fullness of joy. Uh, what we didn't realize, the Lord put that thing in our heart where God's presence was the most important thing in our life. That's why, you know, we, in our church here, we have like three core values in this church. One of them is the presence of the Lord. In fact, that's the main, the main one. And then we have the, the thing about family and community and then we have the thing about missions those are all like our three basic things that we really really desire and we're really about in our life but it's always been Lord if we don't have your presence we don't care about the family thing because it's going to be a bad family it's going to be a dysfunctional family it's going to be a disruptive family and we sure don't want to go out in the world and try to bring something into the world that's not real we want to bring the presence of the Lord into the world that's what missions is it's bringing God to people that's what really church is that's what family is bringing God into a family God, so people can experience the Lord so people can encounter the Lord and people begin, begin to fall in love with the Lord are y'all following that? That's, that that's the thing and so I guess what I'm trying to tell you this morning is those kinds of things it's, it's not like a popular teaching back when the Lord began to speak to us about the presence of the Lord there was no teachings about the presence of the Lord that was not something that was being, that, that phrase was not even used. We didn't understand it really. And it's only been in the last few years that we began to understand. We just knew that's important. The presence of the Lord is important. We thought, you know, it's everything, really. It's everything. See, I want people to get that impartation today. That no matter what you do in life, the presence of the Lord is the most important thing. 
And everything you do that you're impacted by that presence and you're pursuing that presence and you want that presence to be the most important thing in your life. You want it in your home. You want it in your business. You want it in your car. You want it when you're in church. You want it everywhere you go. And when you begin to really lose touch with that presence, you get bothered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You get bothered. You don't want to live a Christian life where you're not experiencing the presence of the Lord. Right? That's why you should be. You should be bothered when you feel like God's not speaking to you. And you feel like things are, are really not working in your life. You should be bothered. Because God wants to talk to people and God wants to be with us. More than we want Him with us, to be with Him. But He would like for us to want Him. We, he would like for people to desire Him. Because He desires us. You would want, not want to be a marriage to a person who did not desire you. Right? That would be a bad marriage to not feel desired and not feel loved and not feel appreciated. And so you do things with your spouse to make them feel loved, to make them feel desired, to make them feel valued. God wants that from us. That's how we cultivate this garden with Him. I'm assuming in right now that, that's, that you have this desire in your life. You know, so Lord help, Right? And so God really put that in us. And, and so over the years, we've tried to kind of figure out what does that practically mean? What does that really look like for us? You know, and we've come a long ways with it. There's a lot more to it. But I love what David said, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwelling in the house means dwelling with somebody, right? You can, live, you can be in a house, uh, living in a house, but if you're married, you're going to be living with somebody. Or you may be living with somebody if you're just roommates. But I think the marriage analogy is better. See, I had to learn how to live with Becky. Still learning, I hate to say. And she's even, it's even worse on her end, having to learn to live with me. But see, we've had to learn how to live with the presence of the Lord. Okay? The church needs to learn how to live with the presence of the Lord. We need to learn not just to be in the, in the house of the Lord. We need to learn how to live with this person. And we need to learn how to live with this person in our home. That he's in our home. He wants to be in our home. He wants to be in our job. We need to learn how to live with him there. And figure out what he wants and what he likes. What he's doing. We, I'm just telling y'all, that's what God wants. He wants, to, he wants that from us. He wants us to be conscious of him. I don't know if I'm getting through to y'all or not this morning. Yeah. So years ago, exactly 12 years ago, I was thinking about it this morning. I went to this retreat, and the, the speaker at this retreat was Bill Johnson. And he gave this amazing analogy that just spoke to my heart. It was like one of those aha moments in my life. You know, you, some, sometimes God will speak something or show something. It's like, oh my gosh, that's it. And he talked about when the Holy Spirit came when Jesus was baptized. And how the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and lit on Jesus' shoulder. And I remember him walking around acting like there was a dove on his shoulder. And everything you do and everything you say and everything you act, that dove is going to respond. Right? Because doves are sensitive. It would be hard to naturally walk with a dove on your shoulder, right? Because it would be easy to ruffle it. It would be easy to offend it. It would be easy to push it off. And that's what his whole point was, learning how to live your life with a consciousness that you have a person sitting here with you. And everything you do 
will affect that person. It's not just affecting you, but it's affecting him. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. It was like the, one of the more practical things in my life about learning how to live with the Lord. And so I determined in my life at that point, I'm going to learn how to live with this dove of the Spirit. I'm going to learn in a very practical way about the dove, about what the dove likes, what the dove doesn't like. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The dove has certain likes, and the dove has things he don't like. And you'll find out right quick things he don't like. You'll feel it. You'll feel this peace pull off of you. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done something in your heart that you knew you shouldn't have done because you didn't have peace about it? I'm not talking about just a sin thing. I'm talking about something. And your heart was saying, don't do it, but because you convinced yourself to do it, you'll regret that big time. If you do that, never defile your, your peace. I know that to be true. So, there was two scriptures. One of them that's real practical that talks about living with the dove. This is easy, easy peasy right here. But it's not easy peasy to live. One of them is uh, out of Ephesians. Did I put, give you those scriptures? Uh, Ephesians 4.30. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Grieve means to cause grief. In other words, God has, can feel grief. You know what grief is, right? Something that makes you feel sorrowful. Something that feels hurtful to you. That has to do with sin. Or not obeying what he asks you to do. So God feels grief when we sin, y'all. It hurts him. God is hurt by our sin. And God is hurt when he asks you to do something and you don't do it. He's hurt. It hurts him. And so that is something that's really important if you're going to learn how to live with the presence of the Lord. Is knowing that God has feelings. And when we do things that are not right, it affects him. It don't just affect you, it affects God. And that dove will, will kind of lift off of him. He won't forsake you, he won't run away from you, but that presence of the Lord will begin to drain out of your life. You won't have that consciousness of him until you make it right with him. It's just like in a marriage. If I do something to hurt Becky, I know Becky loves me. I know she's not going to leave me. I know she's not going to do something mean to me. But I know there's a pinch in our relationship. There's something in our relationship that has come between us. And the only way that I can get that right with her, to get that thing out of the way, is, is humble myself and tell her I'm sorry and work through it. <laughs> she don't do I'm sorry. I forgive you, but... You know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want to talk about it no more, Becky. I told you I was sorry. Can't we just leave it at that? Why do I got to talk to you an hour about why I did this stupid thing? I'm stupid. That's my answer. I'm just stupid. I'm sorry I'm so stupid and did that. Can you just accept that? You married me, so what does that say? She likes to talk it through. I'm like, I'm done. I said, I'm sorry. Let's move on. Life's good. 
not her. It's going, you're going to talk it through, son, if you're going to really be sorrowful. And I, I'm about done, so I was done before I started, right, Becky? It's called grieving the Holy Spirit. So we need to become consciously aware of the Lord's presence and the Lord's feelings just like we are of our spouse. That we don't just do bad things and hurt them and not make things right with them. The other, one, other thing has to do with quenching the Holy Spirit. It says, do not quench. This is First Thessalonians 19, 519, sorry. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. So you got grieving the Holy Spirit. Now you got quenching. Quenching the Holy Spirit has to do with following His leading. Okay? To quench something means to, to quench the flow or hinder the flow of something. The best analogy is you got a hose pipe with water running wide open. You take it and bend it a little bit. And there's less water that flows. Okay? And so we can quench the flow of the Spirit in our life. When the Spirit is wanting to do something and we're not flowing with the Spirit. Our Christian life is meant to flow. Okay? It's not meant a bunch of rules or a bunch of steps it's a, it's a thing to flow in our relationship with God should, should flow it should just flow it shouldn't be some ridiculous thing I'm just going to say this one more time I don't go to bed and say I'm going to do these nine things to make you happy that ain't what they want they don't want nine things to make them happy they want you to, to do what's right to live what's, and live right with them not have a bunch of lists and stuff. And so what happens when we quench, here's what happens to people when they quench the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden when you quench the Holy Spirit, you feel like you're on the outside of what God's doing. Y'all know that feeling? How many people don't know that feeling? You, you ain't been around the move of the Spirit. See, we can be on the outside of what God's doing uh, for a lot of reasons, the orphan spirit will make you feel like you're on the outside because orphans don't belong, okay? That's, that's a big deal. But if you can get that thing dealt with, that's going to help you. But you're going to have to also deal with just quench. Maybe God's doing things you don't like, okay? Oh, I don't like the way them people act in church. Or I don't like all this rowdiness in church because sometimes the Lord will move and it gets rowdy. And so you don't like it. So you, you have set yourself up as something above what God's doing. The Holy Spirit wants to flow this way. And because you personally don't like it, you take yourself out of it. You have put yourself on the outside looking in. Are y'all following that? Yeah, I know y'all don't like that, some of you. Some of you shouldn't like it. And some of you should feel a little convicted this morning. I'm telling you that now. You should feel convicted. Because we've all not liked things that God has done. I've seen people get offended when God loved on a backslider. You think that's not really the way God wants us to be. They don't deserve it. You know. Well, I better stop. So I told you two things, practical things about the presence of the Lord. Our thing was, you know, when we lost that baby, we were kind of lost young Christian people we didn't really know what our life was going to be I wasn't imagining being a pastor I wasn't imagining being anything I was just trying to get through the moment and not you know I wanted to keep going on with God but I didn't really understand what God was doing or why things were happening to me the way they were I didn't like it you know it was darkness 
That's what it was. It was darkness to me. Real darkness to me. And it was hurt. It was real hurtful to me because I had a belief about God that didn't line up with my situation and my circumstances. And so I felt real disappointed and real hurt by God. You know what I'm saying? But somehow in, the, in all that, God, in your darkness, when you don't understand, and when you have these questions, God is doing something. God's at work. And He's not put off when we're all messed up with Him because we can't get what's going on in our life. He's not put off by that. He's still at work in your life. And He still puts something in you. And He's going to draw that thing out of you. At some point, and it's going to become real to you at some point, you're going to start feeling it. You're going to start being motivated by whatever that thing is in you. Okay, I'm not saying everybody in this room needs to have this same passion about the Spirit of the Lord and about the Holy Spirit and about God's presence that I have. But I am saying this, that's what I'm doing with my life. Okay? And I'm doing it because God did something to me. It wasn't a good idea or a trendy thing. Okay? It was because God did something. And that's what really is going to count in your life. What God did in you. And what God put in you. Because God, whatever God puts in there, He's going to call it out. He's going to call it to come forth in your life. And you'll begin to, to live a life trying to, to figure out and trying to work out these, these things in you that you feel. And at some point you'll begin to see it. I didn't see it for so long. The beautiful thing about it, all this is my grace is sufficient for you. Is God doesn't put all this in you and then try to get you to work it all out by yourself. He gives you the grace to walk it out. That's why those two scriptures have worked together in my life. He's given me a grace. He's put a grace on me for His presence. And whatever it is for you, He'll put that grace on you so you can walk this thing out and live this thing out. Otherwise, you'll never come into fullness you'll never live the life that God has called you to live and you'll grow old and it's like I read sometimes you never hear about old people that are on the deathbed saying I wish I'd have worked more <laughs> right people who are dying they ask them things that is not one of them that ever shows up I wish I'd have stayed at work more most of us I wish I'd have spent more time with my family or I wish I'd have loved the people around me. I wish I'd have told people I loved them. I wish I'd have done the things that God put in me instead of being afraid or whatever. That's the kind of things that people when they're on their deathbed talk about. It's not about all the other stuff that we put so much focus on. What God has put in you is the most important thing there is for your life. It really is. It's the most important thing. Why don't you stand up and I'll pray for you right quick. Let the Holy Ghost flow, right? Did anybody get anything out of this? Hey, I got to do a great uh, funeral the other day. Pam, uh, Jolly's dad, and it was awesome. He was an awesome man. But, oh, Lord, I got in there, I looked at the, uh, at the congregation, I was like, Lord, have mercy on me. They looked hard as rocks at me. Man, I got I got my work cut out for me, Lord. If I'm gonna get if anything's gonna happen in here, you better do something. These people were staring me down like I was I didn't belong. They were mountain people, you know how they are. But 
I said, Lord, please help me. Please help me, Lord. You know, because I don't want to get up here and just talk. I want you to say something to these people. Oh, but I could see the Lord dealing with people then. He started messing with people. I, I love looking at people when God's messing with them. You can see them. Like, oh, there was one woman I was watching, man. She went from stern to you could see the, you could see things starting to crumble on her. You could see her kind of shifting around a lot. And then I could see these little tears coming off down. I'm like, oh, God, you done got her. I'm not taking, I just happened to be there in the room. I pray that, Lord, this morning you get a hold of some hearts in this room. Lord, I think there's, some, there's an anointing for the one thing. Lord, as far as I'm concerned, there's no other one thing but you. You're the one thing. that You are not something to add to our life. You are our life. God, I just ask you to release that passion in this room for you, Lord. A love for you. A love for your presence, Lord. And whatever that looks like, however that works out in people's life, God, impart that to people. Impart it to them. Give it to them. It's a gift from heaven. It's a gift to love the presence of the Lord. It's the greatest gift God could give any human being. I'm convinced that we would love Him. We would love His presence. And that we would feel lonely in our life without His presence. We would feel empty without His presence. Lord, I ask you to do that. Now, I know some of you might say, well, you're too much on feelings. Well, I didn't create the feelings. And I get there's times where we just totally or there's going to be no feelings. And you're going to trust Him at that moment. And you're going to believe what He said at that moment. But God likes feelings too. Yeah. You know, if I didn't tell Becky I loved her anymore, I would still love her. But she wants to, she wants to hear that. She wants those feelings to come to her of love. God created us like that. So ask the Lord. Say, Lord, give me the gift. Give it to us, Lord. I'm asking you for that in Jesus' name. I do thank you for that, Lord. This is the word the Lord spoke to me this morning. He gave me the scripture. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith to believe He is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But then he gave me this verse, If you seek me, you will find me. And he just said, The reward of those who diligently seek him, he says, without faith it's impossible to seek God, you know, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The reward of diligently seeking him is that you find him. He is the reward. You ever think about that? What's the reward of those who diligently seek Him? Him. Him. He's the reward. That's awesome. I don't know why you stepped back down because I don't know how to finish this out. Oh, Marlon. <laughs> but that's it. You get that revelation? I hope it means to you what it meant to me. He is the reward. What else do we need but He? <laughs> but Him. Thank you, Dino. Whoo. We've been in his presence. We've been fed the word. Now let's allow that word to really nourish our souls. Amen. So we have the ministry team come up. And if you want anybody to partner with you in prayer, 
to agree with you or to just love on you. A lot of these lovely people that are coming up here right now just to lay hands on you and, and love on you. And if not, I just pray that the Father's presence will just go with you, that His lovely face will shine upon you, and that you have a great sun and a great week. Amen.